so we've been talking about in the last episode, you know, what is engagement? We want to talk about like, why, why is it worth taking all that effort to do that? And, you know, we mentioned it being a pretty big level up for a GM, you know, what, what do you get out of all that effort of figuring out, you know, learning your people, learning how they engage and, and what happens there. And so we think we'd kind of talk about the way, what we've seen in our experience come out of that engagement from the player and GM side and the best way to do that is through examples. This is kind of going to be a little bit of a little bit of story time. You get to know kind of the games we've played a little bit more and some of the highlights we've felt have been there. Um, if uh, again, I'm Mason. I GM as well as play in an assortment of campaigns. Um, yeah. Uh, my name is Trevor. I have been a long time GM. Uh, I rarely ever play, um, and I fancy myself a world builder, but in reality, I just play with fantasy sticks and mud and have scattered notes. <laughs> uh, I'm David. I am a creator, creative, for lack of a better term. I excel at uh, rebounding ideas off people, and building with them mm-hmm. a good skill to have yeah um, i can attest to that he's definitely made my world a better place uh same same <laughs> for you. mine my guy in a uh, romantic way and a <laughs> fantasy way a very visceral physical hey, electric hey. way let's turn the temperature temperature down here guys sorry oh it's still light up uh, tune into <laughs> our after hours recording. show at some point we're, we're professionals i promise <laughs> that's some bullshit (laughs) so um i think what would be nice to do is to kind of start you know like we've talked about the the mercer effect and how we want to try and let people realize there's you know a natural progression to things and so obviously we're excited to jump in with some like the really cool Mm -hmm. stories we've had but let's let's start with like the simpler ones you know of of early engagement because even you know like Trevor and I, Trevor, you and I had played a ton. Dave, you'd even played a ton before we started this campaign that I think we can all agree is probably the longest one we've ever been in. Yes. Mm. So, you know, for each of us, it's the longest, most kind of defining one we've ever been involved with. But, you know, it didn't start out at that. You know, it started out as we, we all worked together, the four of us, but we hadn't really hung out before that even. Um. And we were just like, hey, let's try this thing and see if it works. And, you know, even then we had to learn how each of us played. Um, and and engaging is going to look different at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, due to scheduling stuff and different levels of experience with the game, uh, the guy that plays Theo hadn't played at all before. So Dave did a session that was solo with him and Trevor. Uh due to the nature of his backstory. And then Theo and my character had one that where we were. And then after that, we went and did one with all three of us. And we did the thing where we met in the town and all that stuff. But I remember um, that first session, Theo's character had like, Theo's player had like a lot of questions um, throughout that. And, you know, learning how to play, even though like he, he knew the rules and all that stuff, but, you know, asking like, Hey, can I try this? You know, like, I remember there was quite a few times he asked, like, there was a cliff and there was a knoll 
and he's like, hey, can I just throw him up that guy down the cliff and do extra damage? You know, that that's part of being engaged. Um, and it's like a fairly simple, straightforward story. And I even asked a bunch as well, like throughout a long time about like shoving people like my guy's a minotaur. He had the ability to shove people for almost free. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times I'm like, hey, you know, can I try and shove this guy to get, you know, in, into a wall or into his body to knock them both down? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, and asking those kind of questions. And, you know, those are combat examples, but combat's the most rigid rule aspect mm-hmm. of the game. And, you know, the most intimidating to a new player. But that that is a form of engagement. And it's the most basic form of, like, learning what your character can do. And it, it's a very important one to recognize, like, session one, don't expect people to be, like, in character, fully going ham. Because they just, they haven't learned their character yet. And that's a very reasonable yeah. place to start, is just mechanics. Yeah, things, things definitely have to build. Um, and... If the question is why should we engage um, in a tabletop RPG, like why should we lean into the world? Um, I think I think kind of what it takes is everybody being willing to accept that this temporary place that we're letting our minds go is real enough that we're just going to go with it and we're all going to be okay with that. Um, but I think what it does for a group of people is, is mm, I, I think it does so many different things, but I think at the basic point it, as people become more engaged, it makes everybody else a little bit more uncomfortable and that builds slowly over time like mason was saying so it's not going to be this everybody's just going to jump in and be super engaged um unless they're just all super comfortable and have been role playing for a really long time um so i don't think anybody should feel like they need to be at a certain level i just think Um, As we kind of tell some of these stories about our personal experience um, and about what engagement in our campaign has done for us, you should think about the, the stories that you liked the most. Maybe take some aspect of that back to a game that you're going to play if you're a player or if you're a GM and you like a story that we tell. Think about how you can set up a similar situation in your campaign, but how would you have to tweak it? to engage your players. Um, Cause I would make the argument that ultimately the reason why we should engage is because engagement is what is going to keep a campaign together. If you have people that aren't engaged, you people are going to peel off eventually and you're going to be a lonely GM or yeah. a lonely player. Um, 100%. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to do that. Um, and so there's different things to match. There's different group dynamics to deal with. Um, but when it boils down to it, you need to have the group be engaged the majority of the time or the group will not sustain. Yeah, no, those are uh, excellent points. Wow. <sighs> Why should we engage? <laughs> I mean, do you like enjoying yourself? That's, a, <laughs> that's, that's my first question. Um, 
why, why should we engage? It's, I mean, you two covered, covered a lot of it. I mean, there's a whole positive group dynamic. Um, you know, be, try to be, well, I engage to explore. I love exploration. Uh, and D&D, to me, it's an opportunity to explore an unknown and fantastical world with potentially great friends. Uh, lifelong friends even and that's that's what adventure is and i personally crave adventure so i mean i don't have a reason to not engage <laughs> unless i'm given one by the group whether that's from you know a lackluster dm or a player that gives every sign that they don't want to be there, but they're for some reason there. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a cooperative, engagement is a cooperative uh, trust building experience. And I, I, I don't know, I jump right in. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so so to recap just a little bit from like the what is engagement in a tabletop role playing game, you know, it's it's all sorts of things. It's asking questions about the world, it's being the player who's willing to manage the inventory or being the player that's willing to take notes or being a player who is willing to schedule slash host slash bring snacks. It's also a GM paying attention um, to what the players get enjoyment out of. Engagement, when you boil it down, is um, I get another good word for it would be buy-in. This like measure of how seamless, how easy it is for you to step into that fantasy space. How yeah. easy it is for you to step into the story or the game. Um, the more engaged you are, the less effort it takes to be in that other mindset. Um, a quick thing to add to that, Trevor, is like engagement to me really is sort of the framework that defines your game as it exists. Like. It, it's what gives it dimension. So the higher the, you know, if you want a really deep story with people getting emotional, that kind of stuff, you need more engagement because if you don't have the engagement, you can't have that depth. The The volume of your engagement defines the volume of any other space the game can exist in, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it is the container that holds it all together. So if you've got a really small container, you cannot have any amount of depth. It's too shallow. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is, I, the, you know, it's yeah. going to define the whole thing. And, um, and, well, uh, I guess just to tack on what Mason said, little tiny details, uh, honestly, that 
the DM might not even be able to plan for. And yeah, I, I guess we kind of already covered this, but add little details to your character. It, it gives the DM tools to further everyone's engagement at the table. Um, you know, it, it, the engagement isn't solely the DM's job. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, uh, you know, Mason mentioned that, yeah, if you want to have like an emotional, a tense, a dramatic uh, type of game, engagement is going to be very important. Um, but also like if you want to have like an intensely like comedic and cartoonish game, like you have to have engagement too. Yes. Like if you're going to be fast and loose with like the rules of physics or like the rules of social interaction, um, you're going to have to have players that are willing to lean into that with each other and a, a DM who's willing to do that too. You know, if, if we're wanting to do BoJack Horseman in D and D like everybody's going to have to be relatively engaged to, to do it at a like high level because you know, that's going to be, you walk into this, you walk into this bar and you know, there's a guy literally spitting into all the glasses and cleaning them. And then this ridiculously absurd thing is happening in the corner that only would happen in like Rick and Morty. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and like, I am not very good at that as a DM. So that's why I couldn't even come up with a fucking example. <laughs> right. Well, but mean... if you, if you have a group that is willing to go there, is willing to think on their feet and be goofy and have a bunch of weird situations like that, that can be very funny. Then that also requires engagement. And this, this goes back to the, the prior episode as well, but, um, in our group, an example from our group, which is the most relevant one I can come up with is how the, uh, the players are always, not always, but they're in contact with Trevor, the DM, outside of the game. Uh, they're saying, they're, they're basically telling Trevor, you know, kind of what they want. And I think that is a huge benchmark of engagement because Again, um, it's a cooperative game. The DM has tools, but he has so many more tools if the players give them give the DM tools to work with. Uh, so, uh, so, so starting at at kind of the beginning. Uh, yes, I was going to say that. our campaign. How would you say uh, that engagement changed? Um, and when do you feel like we all started to like trust each other enough at the table uh, to like really dive in and be more engaged? Or do you think there were tears to that as our campaign went on? Oof. There tears, absolutely, absolutely were tears. Yeah. Word for word, Dave. Um, Cause like, you know, it, you know, I talked about how it's like the framework that defines the amount of depth your campaign can have, but like, it's not going to start at a set level. It's an organic thing that grows and will even ebb and flow as, as it goes on. There's, you know, times where you're going to have less total engagement and that's okay. As long as people are still engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
do you want to start with your example, Dave, or do you want me to? I, uh, you know, I got, I have, I have several examples, not really one huge one. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence the tears. Like I, my, I think my first point of big engagement was uh, even before the campaign started. I was talking to Trevor. I, you know, uh, I was workshopping my character with Trevor, and we spoke quite a bit, quite a bit about what, what kind of what what Trevor wanted in his world, kind of, but more like what was a good character, uh, good character direction. You know, I presented Trevor with a few. A really bare bones character idea, and um, he seemed to like it, and he reciprocated, which I think was really the first buy-in for me because I was like, okay, this this DM's really working with me, which I loved. And um, going further in game, it was weird at first. Uh, <laughs> as as most new interactions are, yeah. D- but like we already briefly mentioned, like we were just work like colleagues. Uh, yeah. The job we worked at was an intense. So we worked at a residential, a group home for teenage boys. Um, so most of our time at work was spent like engaging with the kids that we were working with. And we spent most, if not all, of our emotional energy for the week doing that. Mm-hmm. So we really didn't know each other that well. We maybe had a few caricatures of what each other were like. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, I mean, that also, that is a good background for like where the campaign started. Because I literally was yeah. jonesing for some D&D. Oh, I was like a crack man. I was dying. So bad. So I was like, these are... These are the nerdiest guys, I think, at work. And with Mason, <laughs> I had no goddamn idea just how nerdy. Yeah, right. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Like um, we So sorry, but No that, like that that's kind of where we're where we're coming from. So yeah, the first few sessions were a little awkward because like we knew of each other. Yeah. We like, we knew the the social personas of each we, other, but we spent more time talking to each other during session one than probably we had pretty much in total of the time working together. Honestly, when you, yeah, you know, I mean, outside of like Honestly, passing information for yeah. the job. Well, while we were on the floor working with those kids, you kind of had to put off a like confident, absolutely, like yeah. front and like you know, not. We didn't share a whole lot of information all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was a hard job to like get to know people unless there was downtime, and there was rarely ever downtime. There was I mean, we, downtime. We, all the only yeah. downtime was like after at shift change, and that was mm-hmm. like processing the shift and like making uh, sure everybody was okay. Yeah. Um. So there, like, we got to see a lot of emotions from lots of different people from different angles, but we like really didn't know anything about each other. Oh yeah. man, I remember first time I met. I really kind of uh, noticed Mason as another human being. <laughs> that's me. But, <laughs> no, like it's a um, real thing. Yeah. No, I, 
I was washing dishes, right? And and Mason and I were tag team in the kitchen and um I was humming I was I was listening to some song in my ear and I was humming and I was humming the tune. It was um Power Wolf. Yes. It was Power Wolf <laughs> and I just just found about out about these bat this band. It was super obscure. Yeah. Uh and Mason is like, dude, is that Power Wolf? And I'm like, <laughs> What? <laughs> I remember that now, yeah. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> That's yeah, really so, funny. Because, like, for me, the first time, like, the first, the reason I asked David to join my campaign, uh, and I think, like, you quit at Synergy, like, either shortly before or shortly after. Shortly uh, after the campaign started? Yeah, I came back, well, I came back from a broken ankle and then had to go to Mexico. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. it it was shortly after. I came yeah. back. So, so I I just remember like you drawing, like when we had downtime, uh-huh. and like you you were drawing uh you were drawing like some sort of like mashup between uh like something with like medieval armor, but also like uh like colonial like red coat type garb yeah i don't i i was just like oh my god that's so fucking badass (laughs) and then then when i when i was like floundering for people i was like oh dude if he's drawing that he's gotta be he's gotta be a fucking nerd (laughs) i I would have been crushed if you wouldn't have said yes to a (laughs) dnd oh man i didn't even know how much i wanted dnd until you asked me seriously right um, so back back to even though I loved that tangent so much um main main question is like when when was the time you really felt a shift in engagement in this campaign um cuz yeah like you know we started as effectively strangers you know so we we've we've experienced the full spectrum and so when when is the first key shift for for each of you uh first big shift and this was this took a while to get into the campaign but i would say this is the first major one uh there are lots of shifts coming up to this point but it's when we were fighting the fleeing together um that was because that was the first I i think the no it was like the second time our party really came close to just dying like all of us yeah um i don't know the, the robot the big robot was a, a another one but i would say i would say the flame fight was the major shifting point for me and so what what caused that to be a shift in engagement for you honestly one thing uh it was, it was when Theo discovered he had spells. I was going to say, we have to talk about how Theo discovered he had spells and destroyed the combat. Just destroyed it. Oh, oh man. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so a very real thing to talk about with a new group slash new player slash new characters 
is engagement can just mean knowing what the fuck your character can do. Mm-hmm. And this poor yet brave soul who joined our campaign <laughs> had never played D&D before and picked a druid that immediately has a million spells to choose from. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think for the first 10, 15 sessions, he didn't know he could prepare new spells every day. <laughs> so he, when he was leveling up, he was just picking spells. Like he just picked a new set of prepared spells and he had those same prepared spells for a while. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, it's stuff like that, that as he got more engaged, he would contact me and be like, wait, I have, I have fourth level spells now. <laughs> um, and I can, every day I can pick a new group of spells to have. And I would be like, yeah. He was like, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so was, many. And I was like, yeah, there's a lot. It's, it's hilarious, but I, I, I gotta reiterate. It was just a beautiful thing to it see was. how excited. I mean, we could all see just, okay, this guy's going to stay. This guy's going to stay. Up until that point, it was kind of iffy, but I mean, at that point, you just saw the hook sink in. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, okay, this guy's, this guy's having fun. Yeah. I, I remember the look on Trevor's face when like it was a combat with two aspects there's like the main boss and a bunch of shaman doing magic stuff behind him and and me and dave's character are kind of handling the boss and the druid goes up behind to get these shaman and he's just like i'm gonna do this and he casts like two spells back to back over two rounds he did call lightning and and like shift earth or something erupting earth and i remember trevor's face when he's like holy crap (laughs) Because he realized he'd placed all the guys within the AOE of the spell. And he just annihilated all of their concentration. And, and the the look on, you know, Trevor's face and the player's face when that happened was just, like, a thing of beauty. When, like, they're both loving what happened so much. Because mm-hmm. they took the time to, to do that. And realized that, you know, Theo as a character is capable of that. And it was even, like, a turning point for Theo as a character. Because he's like... Oh, yeah you know, after that point, he really was able to have some confidence and stuff. Cause he's like a, a young, you know, t- coming of age type character. Well, like it was, it was really powerful. I still, I do remember that. that was a great one. On top of that, uh, we had multiple things happen after that fight. For example, uh, personal example, my character, um, I was recharging one of my weapons, this fancy new sword I got. And, uh, I, was, I was recharging it off of the dead in the battlefield, and Trevor asks me, he, he, he says, do you recharge it off of uh, the friendly soldiers, the soldiers you're allied with? And that was a huge, another huge turning point for me personally, um, just on, t- on top of the fight, because it's like, oh, wow, the DM's actually challenging me, you know, with again the moral ambiguity so uh that, that was a huge building block to my character that happened in i don't know 20 mm-hmm. seconds yeah uh so from my perspective as a gm um 
we bounced around for a bit. Um, I tend to, um, because I am a lazy GM, or at least I work, I like to think I work smarter and not harder. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, you know, I create a starting area. I come up with a couple themes and I come up with like three to four like first major bosses for the party to fight and then just let the players run around. Um, Inevitably, what that does create is a bit of like wishy-washy narrative, which can be bad for engagement. But um, what I really like about that method is I know for sure what the players want to do because I make them pick. Um, So I put stuff out there. I put a town out there. It's not even, the town wasn't even super detailed. Um, You know, I had a couple places. Honestly, I had to create a brothel off the spot because of uh, (laughs) Lestaria, David's character. Um, You know, but obviously it was like a frontier town. There'd be a brothel, sure. (laughs) I know know how uh, Western Spanish, expansion in america actually happened it was because the women who owned the brothels funded everything (laughs) excellent documentary (laughs) yeah um so the beginning of the campaign uh was a lot of the characters going around and like doing like kind of boring ass fetch quest shit um but what I saw while they did that was what they liked to do. What rewards they liked, what types of things um, engaged them. So it was after that that I came up with Varden Keep. And that is where I felt like the campaign really changed. Um, yeah. Because... Uh, it ended up that you guys, I had, I had, you know, like I said, three or four different big bad guys prepared and they were all doing things in the area. Um, and just waiting for you guys to run into some of the ramifications, but you, you gravitated towards the knolls first. And then we kind of dug into that. Um, and then I knew that having a very kind of intense and deadly situation would be a good setup for the final confrontation for the Knolls. Um, and so when you guys decided to go to this highly dangerous place that was an ancient Reuben full of highly advanced magic technology, um, that either I was wrong about everything or that you guys would really like it. Um, we really liked it. We did. <laughs> um, and so that's <clears throat> a uh, that goes to a point that that we've talked about a lot is that engagement enhances your story. So because much. it's hard to tell a story that you don't care about. I would say um, it's 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 near impossible. A, a good tell one. Tell a good at least. story. Yeah. yeah. Near impossible. So, so for me, 
it, the evolution I saw in engagement was that, you know, everybody was kind of figuring each other out. We were figuring out um, this world that I had thrown you guys into um, and figuring out the lines between what you guys are allowed to change and what I'm allowed to change, which, spoiler alert, I don't really care. Um, you guys can do whatever the fuck you want because it makes less work for me. Um, so as we all figured that out together and then I showed you, like I pulled back the curtain on like some of the scary shit that's in my world. Um, because I had been thinking about the blood moon empire, the big evil empire that all this technology is left behind from, you know, I had several ideas about how much scary shit they had left behind. Um, and seeing how much you guys engaged with that really made my D and D experience so much better. That's awesome. Sorry, the... I kind of I, I, I kind of went off on that one a bit. No, it's it's a good one. Like that was the that was like the point. Once we got into that area, and I saw how serious and meticulous. So to talk about the different types of engagement, um, like you guys were. Everybody was tracking spells. Everybody was managing inventory. Everybody had their hit points correct from session to session. <laughs> like that may that might sound stupid, but I have played so many games of D and D where a player goes, I or all of the players. I've had I've had games where every player has come and been like. Uh, I don't. I just put my hit points back to full because I don't remember what happened last session. Oh no! So, no. And to me, that means they don't. They're they're not engaged, and either I've done something wrong, or they don't care about the campaign, or they mm. don't want to be there. Um, yeah. So I have to quickly figure out what that is, um, because then you have to do something awkward like. Uh, I mean, you got hit at least by this, this, and this. And then if they disagree with you, do you have a fight with them in front of everybody about fucking hit points? Yeah. Or do I just beat them up a little bit later because I'm low-key mad about it? Yeah. <laughs> the, the interesting thing is, because when I, when I thought of this question, I, I, I knew where the spot was for me. And both of you were like pretty close to it. Everything kind of did turn at Varden Keep. Um for me, it was the session with Mira, who was Ooh, a little uh, that's, girl. That's what I was going to guess for you. Ooh. Yeah, like 100%. Because it was a big turning point for, for Pitt as a character as well. And I bring it up all the time. But um, we, we met this little girl who was in like a spider automaton. Um, and, the you soul know, of a little girl. Yeah. yeah, the soul of a little girl. Um, <clears throat> and that, that whole session really um kind of was defined by the fact that, like it's it's when we as players felt comfortable enough to disagree as characters um and Just it's funny because it, it, it goes back to theo again um the the climax of the session you know we're we're arguing over what to do with this and theo is a half elf um he he, he knows more about the evil of the elves than anybody uh-huh. and he's like i don't care if it's a little girl we gotta destroy it because it's evil um and the the climax of the entire session is he destroys the spider. Yeah. And that is where the session ended. Mm-hmm. And and it, yeah, it's, it, like it was. Your yeah. character was like, 
super engaged with the the girl that was talking as the spider and Theo just decided to ax it right in front of you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I just called I called the session right there <laughs> and we literally I was like, Okay, we're all kind of new to as a group. Like, are we okay? Because that was pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean for, for all our characters that was It was it was huge. a really big moment. We like had a good discussion about like, you know, are, are we good? How do we want to handle stuff like this, you know? moving forward and it was this discussion itself was very good no one was actually a- angry we were all very we were all angry the session ended <laughs> you yeah know? We, were. <laughs> we were so into it like it was we were having that much fun even though it was we'll, like we'll, we'll talk about that in the managing engagement episode. yes yeah, yeah and that, that's part of it is like you know end it when engagement is like pretty high because then they're excited mm-hmm. to come back but um you know that that whole thing you know I, I'm curious, and, and don't tell me, but, you know, what ended up happening in Varden Keep is there's a giant crystal that runs all of the automatons, um, and mm-hmm. one personality takes over them, and so, you know, there's, like, ten automatons there. They all have the same little girl running them, but then they would kind of body swap with some other personalities. I mean, we ended up meeting them, but, you know, at the time, as players, we didn't know that. As characters, we didn't know that. So as far as our characters knew, you know, either that artifact is destroyed from one point of view or that child is destroyed from another yeah. And that was a huge shift in the way we engaged with our characters oh, from that, that point nice. on, I think. And it's it, an excellent it, choice. It really kind of has defined for me the entire campaign um, as, as a result. And it's mm-hmm. kind of why I wanted to bring up this, this particular question of, you know, where does it shift? Cause it, it wasn't like anybody tried for it. It's not like Trevor said, he's like, I'm going to shift their engagement to a whole new level. He just provided the opportunity yeah. and we, mm-hmm. and we took it. Yeah, happened. I had no idea. Yeah. So like my to pull back the curtain a little bit and like I I've, I've talked to I'm pretty open with my players about like how the world works and how I set up stuff uh and I usually make it after the fact so I'm not spoiling a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. But um because we're all super interested in that. Um but like basically I just knew that this city had a bunch of technology in it controlled by a giant crystal. And my idea for how sentient weapons work in my world is that um, most of the magic weapons that exist today were made by the Blood Moon Empire literally sacrificing lives and putting those souls into the weapons to make them powerful, like, the fastest way that they could. Um, so it, may, it would make sense that, you know, over time those souls might be able to take control of a magic weapon, or in this case, an entire city controlled by a giant crystal that controls all the automatons in the city. So I just threw a bunch of personalities out there. I I didn't know what they would latch on to. As a GM, my decision was I'm going to put a spread of personalities in here Hopefully they will latch on to one. If not, they are going to lose some vital information about how the city works. Um, and it will become more dangerous. Um, because another an, another good thing about in, engagement is 
creating this sense of of depth in this world that consequences are real. Yeah. Yeah. Quote air quote real in this world. If you make a decision, it affects something down the line. I, I feel you. I feel you even established that very early on. Um, I mean, I would say in, in like the beginning sessions, I think, I think it was session one, right? You know, right after session zero, obviously we can count here, but <clears throat> session zero is important guys. Uh, in session one, uh, I got into a combat, a solo combat because I said something that pissed off a whole ton of people. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, I was completely out of spells. And I think I had a dagger. And uh, I, I ended up, you know, my characters ended up, like, screaming. And <laughs> the other two people... Uh, Mason and Theo happened to be nearby, and that—that's how it—that's how it really kicked off in a fairly interesting starting point, where you know we saw like hindsight, but you saw um, Mason's penchant for protection, just like right off the bat. Uh, Mason heard the scream and came running over. Uh, and Theo at that point was still learning how to play, and he just followed. So I don't know. It's it's a willingness to explore explore the world around you mm -hmm. allows so, for yeah. a lot of engagement. So you know, there's kind of what what we've talked about is the fact that we all as a group were willing to engage with each other, you know, it, it built trust. It made the story a lot better because we were all willing to jump in and add our own bits and pieces. Um, like as a, as a GM, you know, I took very seriously what you guys said in session and in between sessions. Um, I don't know what we, we're, all kind of talking about memories um but what are some maybe uh broader examples of rewards of good engagement um that are less typical like ones that, that don't come to mind first Uh, don't come to mind first. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it's difficult because now that I'm thinking about <laughs> the entire history of our campaign, I'm like, what? You know, what isn't important? And that's a really difficult decision. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, Run by me say, one more time. Uh, 
like what what are the less um typically touted rewards of engagement uh with like a D&D a a tabletop RPG group um i guess for for me we we talked a little bit about like the building trust between players but that's kind of like a group dynamic specifically driven towards an in-game reward right yeah because if the players trust each other then they're more willing to add to the game um i think uh a reward that sometimes isn't mentioned is that you learn about people through their engagement oh my gosh and and yes, it, it, it builds on itself um and that's something that is really cool about like collaborative storytelling role playing is like we mentioned at the at the top that we didn't know each other and yeah. like i consider you guys like some of my best friends now yeah uh, because we decided to play D and D together, and because we were all willing to engage, we were all willing to dive in and to um, really just go with the flow. We were willing to meet each other, um, and we were all at very different levels. Um, I. You know, I, I, I typically ask for spell descriptions. The reason I started doing that is because our other player, Theo, um, he, like, studies plants, and he is a druid. So literally every time he casts a spell, he's like, I pulled this very specific plant out of my component pouch, and I do this, and it has this, like, look, and it does this. And, like... Oh, that's Damn. beautiful. Damn. No, no. Just to the, add to that? The amount of thought he puts into how he casts a spell is a relatively niche form of engagement. Um, but that I, shit... I would disagree there. Well, I, I guess maybe the flavor he puts on it, the... Uh, the technical flavor he puts on the technical it. flavor it's, he puts yeah. on it well and it's not only that it's not only that that okay excuse my french but that little fucker he plans these spells like sessions in advance he does like, he doesn't just randomly say oh i have this i have this particular herb he literally goes out several sessions in advance and hunts these specific herbs down as a druid using all his skills and then he just never says says anything about it again. Yeah. And then in in a clutch moment, he'll pull out, I don't know, like some flower or something, and cast a reverse gravity. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. So I, I wanna I wanna give this example because that exactly what you're talking about is uh, we were prepping for a major battle in one story arc. It was like an invasion of a big tower. There was lots of pieces in play. There were other uh, other major characters running around doing other shit. And basically, before the battle started, um, 
this was like Theo's part of Theo's backstory story arc. Like he was going to fight his grandfather, his evil elven grandfather. And one of the druids opened up her like masterwork alchemy lab to him and Mm -hmm. was like, I basically told him like game mechanics wise, you can pick three things that you want out of here. Anything you want, like three ingredients, three components. Um, And he picked a lodestone, which I don't know why he picked that, (laughs) but come to find out it was for reverse gravity, a spell he couldn't even cast yet (laughs) at that point. And then, at the end of the next story arc, so like six to eight <laughs> months later, he's like, "I so I pull out this lodestone that I got from so-and-so's uh, legendary alchemy store, and I slam it into the ground, and the gravity in the area reverses, and I was just like, you motherfucker. Dude, it mm-hmm. was beautiful. It so, was beautiful. So like, uh, just that, like sense of keeping the world consistent the sense of buy-in the sense that you know this is a real place these characters can be real is very awesome now not every player not every dungeon master is gonna be there Mm -hmm. so I think I think it's just important to reiterate that that it took us a year and a half, maybe more, to get to that point, and that's playing almost every week. Yeah, yeah, um, and, which and, is and, and unusual for some campaigns. I just want to say, uh, let yourself fail. I I cannot enunciate this enough. I I myself have had some colossal blunders. And this entire session, well, not the entire one, but from about midpoint on, I was really worried uh, that I was playing a much too problematic character for the rest of the party, and I was worried I was monopolizing time and all of that. And um, I did communicate with the group, uh, specifically Trevor and, and... We've worked it out and we're good now for the most part, but um, I made mistakes, lots of mistakes. And, you know, some of those things can lead to some really cool events in game. Um, but, you know, a lot of them don't. And just let, let yourself fail and don't beat yourself up over it yeah. because we're all learning. You're. <laughs> Your engagement now, wherever you are in a campaign, whether it's starting it, your your good ways in, your engagement now is going to reward you later, and that, that's yeah. what makes it hard. Is you know you're you're not going to see it immediately, um, and and that's why I wanted to start this one off with talking about like you know what what are those turning points? Because when you look back, you'll see them, you know. When when we have those turning turning points, we you know you f- you feel like it was a really great session, but it's not until you look back months later you're like that's that's where things changed a little, mm-hmm. and that was pretty awesome. Um, one one that happened for me somewhat recently was, um, 
like, you know, we talked about, like, you know, I like to explore the world and that kind of stuff. And I, I specifically made my character, like, not be magical initially, um, which kind of cut that off for me, which is, like, something I wanted to explore. But as we were hitting these higher, like, echelons of levels and magic and stuff we're dealing with, you know, as a player, I was feeling, like, a little little constrained. But then we were having, like, some, some downtime-ish between dungeon sessions as we were getting ready to go do this really crazy thing um and like dave's over there like doing all these crazy plans and stuff and theo's off with the druids doing some crazy druid stuff getting ready to like resurrect his dad and crap like that and um my character goes off to this mine he was given for defending the outpost and freaking trevor out of nowhere pulls one over on me and like has this militia i'd been training like throw this festival in my character's honor <laughs> yeah you know and and like number one it was like a really cool story beat to to leave the town on but like it it reminded me that like you know i'm not doing as flashy of stuff with like the spells and everything and like going and exploring the magic the way i kind of inherently want to but by by engaging the world in a different way than I normally would through, you know, the, the people and the, the aspects of like, you know, trying to build something in, in the game. Like it really, really changed that for me a little bit and remind me that like that, that is something that can be very, very special. Um, the, the real, real world timing of that also didn't, didn't hurt lined up you know, with some other stuff that was going on but just you know before we move on i'm gonna add a little hook to that and it's very similar to to theo's situation where he learned he could cast spells um that was a particular moment where me as as a fellow player saw another player specifically mason just light up you know uh it, it was body language and everything he was 100 percent hooked into the game because he had you know you, you could just see it yeah and it was it's just something really cool to see um that's that's a big reason why i engage yeah like <clears throat> that could not have happened had i not been engaged in, in making decisions in the way i was and and if Trevor had not been paying attention and cluing into the ways I was engaging, and so yeah. you know what, uh, that's awesome. I'm going to reward that. Yeah. So the the like the whole setup for that scene is that your character Pitt is a very caring, but gruff, and stern and disciplined militia leader and he led a group of soldiers in this defense of this outpost um and they were called the dog breakers and he didn't do it in a flashy way he did it in a humble and straightforward but disciplined way and seeing that as a dungeon master seeing mason dive into that character that he had he set constraints on himself that his character would be very pragmatic would always defend people would always 
do the most good that he could do, the natural consequence of that is people are going to throw a, a goddamn festival for you. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not, which Pitt, <laughs> Pitt really didn't want to like it. <laughs> because in in Pitt's mind, in Mason's mind, it was a beautiful story. But his character's mind is like, this is a waste of our food storage. This is a waste of all the firewood we've been chopping. This is a, you know. But, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I thought it was a really good character moment for him as well to go, oh, we're like building something here. And that also matters. Well, and on top of that, Pitt had been playing also very emotionally defensive for like the entire campaign up yeah. to that point. And he still does, but, uh, and that's kudos to, to Mason here, but that's Pitt's backstory. Uh, he has a reason he acts like that. And it's just been awesome to see that play more and more relevance into his, his character arc. So. Yeah, and and Trevor lined up at a good time as well, because like, from a character motivation standpoint, like you know he, he he's protective for all these reasons, and he's kind of like a uh, in his mind adopted you know Theo and Dave's characters, but the story elements that were happening right there, the party was at a point where they were kind of drifting apart, but also the two younger characters were kind of coming on their own, and you know this non-magical dude is seeing these like 10th level casters doing all this crazy stuff. I'm feeling like he's not necessarily relevant anymore. And then, you know, he comes back home to the quote, normal people who still, who are, who are able to see him in a different light, you know, and it, it, it was just top to bottom, real world, fantasy world story level. It, it was easily one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen in anything. Just the way it all lined up and played out. Yeah. And, and it, 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 you know, it's not just me and Trevor. Like it, it was everyone in the campaign built it to that point without ever intending to. And yeah. and that is the absolute power of engagement is, is when we're all working together to create and behave in a way that, that is conducive to the game. And, and you know, whether that's making sure we're getting together, setting aside time in our schedules to make, you know, D&D a priority, becoming just better friends by talking with each other, you know, th- that that lets us make something so truly emotionally impactful as that. And and it, it, it really, really was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I couldn't have said it better. It's... Yeah, I, I think we've had, we've had a lot of really good moments in our campaign um, that have showed showed me the depth the different minutia the different angles that uh playing a role-playing game can have um and that's been that's been really fun to explore um and and just really uh, engaging is a bad word to use on this episode, but, uh, (laughs) but you know, the fact that, that over time we have been able to build up to a point where everybody is pretty engaged has reaped all of these rewards that we're just now 
realizing or that we've slowly realized as we've gotten some distance mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like setting up this, this episode, we said that we were going to tell a bunch of stories um, before the episode. We writ- wrote out like bullet points of what we wanted to hit and we've kind of hit a lot of those because cause why, why do we engage? Um, if anything that you have heard us talk about and share stories about has made you excited about a fantasy world or learning more about the world that we have played in. That is why you should engage because (laughs) it, it makes things enticing. It makes things have a little bit more oomph to them. Uh, It has made our world a deeper more complicated place um, because of my decisions, but also because of the characters decisions and the players actions. It's made for better characters. It's made for goofy memories. We have running jokes about stupid stuff. (laughs) We have um, learned a lot about each other through this game, whether we realized it or not. Um, Yeah, we have. um, Absolutely. And, and we built a, a lot of trust for each other. Um, the unfortunate thing that comes with that is like, you know, that's not every group, but if you are intentional, if you are paying attention to what people engage with, you can get there. With a group, you may have to make some changes. You may have to kick people out, invite different people in. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to accomplish or that it will happen right away for everybody. I I, I think of like a really awesome D&D group, um, almost like a good romantic relationship that people classically think of it as. Like yes, absolutely. When, when yeah. you know, you know, you uh, know. type of thing, which, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous. Um but I, I've played a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of D&D, yes. and I've listened to a lot of D&D content, and it, all, it always comes down to, is everybody sitting down willing to go there, willing to go to this goofy fantasy land, whatever the flavor is, and really dig in and run with it? Yeah. I mean, is everybody willing to open themselves up on an emotional level to, you know, a group of people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the progression of that is standard to like real human relationships. It you starts know. with D and D is about relationships. It is. Um, yeah. And, and and doing any group activity is about that. Um, so what I have seen with this group and with other groups is that it always starts with happy and mad because those are the easiest ones <laughs> for our society that we live in. We live in America um, uh-huh. to accept. Yeah. Um, so that's where it, people are always more willing to say my character gets mad or my character is happy about that. Um and then as the engagement goes up, it gets more complicated. Yeah. 
And so and, taking, be willing to take that first step. And, Absolutely. And don't expect it to start with emotions either. Like, you know, the, the comedy, like we mentioned, even though we've mm-hmm. kind of highlighted some of our emotional high points, cause that's like the most memorable, like, you know, comedy is a form of engagement as well. Like you can't have something funny unless people are paying attention to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, very often like a running joke is the starting point and then then it changes over time and you start you know because that that laughing and joking around is part of being happy that's what's going to start and then then it'll grow from there and it requires everybody to be at bare bare minimum like paying attention to what's going on at the table that's that's the most basic form of engagement and whether that results in dick jokes or you know people choking up it's it all starts at the same place and that's just paying attention to the table, paying attention to the people around you and being cognizant and respectful of them as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Respect and, and, and I, uh, want to give the caveat of like, we've talked about a lot of like our favorite memories, uh, from the campaign that, that we've all been a part of together. Um, but I don't want to give like the false idea that like, we're doing everything right and have, have always done everything right. Heavens, no. Like it took a lot of goof ups. It took a lot of readjustments. Um, it it oh, yeah. took some, some kit bashing <laughs> and, and making up rules and adding different ones um, to get to the engagement level that we are at. But even at the very engaged level that we're at, where we will like yell at each other, have emotional conversations, have very serious and dark conversations and like situations come up, we sometimes have to stop or take a break because somebody says some asinine joke and then (laughs) we get derailed for 20 minutes. And then uh, like literally the person is supposed to be like sad about this other character dying, (laughs) but they can't keep a straight face because somebody mentioned some usually a dick joke or something of the sort. And the the character trying to quote unquote have that scene is laughing so hard that they can't do it justice. So then we just joke around for a bit and then we come back to it. And the the polar opposite has happened. You know, we've had really intense conversations, inter-character conversations, and it's been, it's gotten dark. Uh, We've had to be very real with, with each other and you know, we'll just take a break, out of game, cool off, go take a bathroom break, and come back and start up again. You know, mm-hmm. we we made the analogy to a marriage. We we are all all married as part of why that is something that's relevant to us. But like, mm-hmm. you know, even the the best marriage still requires work. You know, oh, yeah. it still requires communication and and time mm-hmm. spent with each other, trying to make sure needs are met. And obviously, the needs are different for most people in a regular D&D creep, our, our needs are identical. Um, but, <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> identical. You know, we, we need a whorehouse. So much stroking. <laughs> like it, it, it gets sweaty and stinky at the end of a session with this group, but um, COVID hit us really hard as a result. And and Trevor moving away. Um, yes. The he, he, he is. He just yeah. watch. As a the virtual sex scenes have been a lot less engaging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the splash zone is smaller. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, like, geez, I derailed myself. Dang it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the the work is still there, whether for, for fun and for the serious stuff. You know, yeah. it, 
and and that that's part of what makes it enjoyable and makes it worth it is you know coming and being ready having those talks the communication and taking the time to pay attention or put yourself aside for someone else to have a scene being able to enjoy someone else's scene for what it is you know it, it's yeah, all it's all part of it we'll uh, we'll tackle that last bit uh i guess in the next mm-hmm. part segment yeah i i <clears throat> i think you know we're we're trying to wrap it up but also all of us in our own way trying to express um that the real reason why we engage is to make everybody's experience better um yeah and like it kind of all boils down to that um you know characters engaging makes the gm whoever they are has to do less work if the characters are engaging that makes the story or story deeper that makes the players more uh involved and gross and feel like they have a say in the experience happening um and it all just adds up to everybody having more fun um and like at the end of the day, that's what the goal is. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a good place to. Yeah, like cut that's, off. that's it. Mm-hmm.